Summer's gone in the Northern Hemisphere, but that doesn't mean allergic itching is too. This week, we've got a veterinary dermatologist to tell you what you need to know as fall and winter allergy season approaches. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And we're going to revisit our old friend, allergic dermatitis. And once again, we are so proud to be partnering with Zoetis. They, as you know, we are big fans of their products. And so today we're going to be talking with one of their veterinary board certified dermatologists, Dr. Dana Liska, because she is going to give us all we need to know about that other part of the allergy season, the fall and the winter. And then on the other side of that, we've got spring. So I cannot wait to get started today. But as always, I am your host, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. Well, Dr. Liska, it is fantastic to have you back. Last time you were here, we talked a lot about managing allergic itching in dogs, especially during the height of allergy season. But now summer's a little bit behind us. How should we as veterinary professionals be approaching the diagnosis and treating allergic itch? Oh, thank you, Dr. Ward. It's great to be back on the show with you and Becky. I absolutely love this time of year when it's just getting a little bit cooler and getting to say goodbye to summer, bringing out my fall wardrobe. <laughs> and, you know, we, we do tend to see a rise in the itchy dogs in the summer months, but we know dog allergies can really hit at absolutely any time of the year and including this time of the year. Yeah. It's really common for us to see allergies peak in many dogs. Uh, you know, for a great example of, have you guys been watching the pollen counts for <laughs> ragweed lately? So it's funny that you mentioned that. I was just reading an article that the the end of September, beginning of October, this time of year basically um, starts off what they call the peak week. And that's with um, ragweed allergies. And what I learned was it's the number one time of year for respiratory related deaths in humans because wow. of that kind of pollen count. And I was pretty astounded by that information because I thought, I think we think fall comes and we're like, okay, finally, our allergies are going to get better. And then we all think we're kind of getting like an early season cold. I think this is allergies getting us and our pets. Yeah, I kind of measure the pollen counts, Dr. Liska, by the severity of my wife's allergies. Uh -huh. uh, this has been a lifelong thing. And <laughs> I can tell you, they seem to be peaking, as Becky said. Oh, absolutely. And here in the North Texas area, I think I feel like my voice is just a little bit deeper. I've been watching the pollen counts. And on a scale of one to 10, the ragweed counts are about eight and a half right now. Wow. And, you know, exactly. So super high. And, and, you know, it's not just the ragweed. I think I look at the temperatures, watch the humidity that's out there. And this is a perfect time of the year for mold allergies to increase and for us to see dogs have a flea, flea allergy flares this time of the year. You know, speaking of molds, my daughter, who is at uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, she's being evacuated from her dorm room because of they've got household or whatever the common household mold that they just found. Yeah. And they said that it's unusual, but this time of year we they've had, you know, we've had high humidity, a lot of rain and it's been unseasonably mm -hmm. warm. So mold. Yeah. So if, and I think if, it's, we forget about it because we don't see it, right? Like we see the flowers blooming, we see the trees blooming. So we have a visual reminder. So we don't have that when we're dealing with the pollen counts and the allergies this time of year. Yeah. And which brings us back to allergic dermatitis, Dr. Liska. I mean, that is still the number one reason why dog owners bring their dog to the veterinarian. Am I right? Oh, I love that statistic. It is so true. 
And it's interesting, though, because I don't think a lot of pet owners are really connected to the idea that their pet's itch and their pet's skin problems are connected to an allergy and maybe not recognizing that it's truly a, a medical issue that's causing their dog the itch. Right. And, and one of the things, too, you've done an exceptionally good job is connecting the quality of life issues between not only the pet patient, which is what we kind of focus on maybe almost exclusively in veterinary medicine, but on the pet owner quality of life. Because as we've talked about on these podcasts, and if you have not listened to Dr. Liska's other episodes with us, please do yourself a favor and your team a favor. Go back and listen to them. They are just jam packed with pearls of wisdom. But it's the quality of life of the pet owner that I think is so adversely affected. I mean, so they're watching their dog lick and chew and, and quite frankly, be miserable. And then, of course, that leads to them feeling miserable and anxious and, and frustrated because they're helpless. Oh, it's so stressful for them. And, and I think until we can help them and, and have them recognize how important it is to get in to see the veterinarian, to figure out the cause of the itch. Because to me, like getting to the bottom line, the cause of the itch that's how then I can determine a long-term plan for my patients. And it's going to fit that pet and the pet owner too, because I think you have to consider both of them together as a team. Yeah, I love that. Now, one of the things that anytime we have a board certified specialist such as yourself on the show, I really do want to get your take on what's the latest and the greatest. So what are some of the treatments that you'd like to talk about that we should be using or at least considering in treating our allergic uh, patients? Well, I continue to advocate for treatments like Cytopoint and Apoquel. If people aren't familiar, Apoquel is an oral treatment that has been shown to reduce a dog's itch starting within four hours and provides really excellent itch control within 24 hours. And I consider Apoquel to be my first line because it can yes. start working so quickly. Um, for anybody who might not be familiar with Cytopoint, it provides fast and sustained relief with a single in-office injection that can last anywhere from four to eight weeks in depending yeah. on the patient. I was laughing the other day because I was flipping through one of the veterinary technician Facebook pages and there's that meme that's like um, Oprah and she's like, Apoquil for you, Apoquil for you. Everyone gets Apoquil because <laughs> it's this time of year and we're just always so grateful to have it. But I, I think it makes it, it's a good point because um, a lot of times it is really frustrating and, and, and kind of difficult to get to the bottom of, of the cause and to figure out what that is. And so having these lines of defense, it gives us the ability to satiate the owner, right, to, to increase the quality of life for the pet so that they aren't scratching constantly while we're trying to figure this out. Because nothing about tracking this down is fast. I think that's kind of one of the most frustrating things. But I recently learned a little bit more about how side of point work. Can you can you explain it? Because I'm definitely not the one to explain it. But I actually think it's kind of have a cool mechanism of action. It is very cool. Oh, yeah. And one of my I think one of the you know, for our listeners who are mostly, you know, in the veterinary professional world, you know, there's a very scientific answer. And that is that it's designed to target and neutralize one of those the main protein that sends itch signals to the dog's brain. So those itch signals are going to what's ca cause the dog to scratch and lick and chew. And if we can block this protein, and then we're going to be able to block that itch signal to then stop that constant scratching, and then the irritated skin can heal. But you know what I like to say to clients, I would say it really simply is, you know, basically Cytopoint is an antibody and we all have antibodies that help us fight infection. This is just an antibody that helps your dog fight itch. And I think it can be really as simple as that. 
Yeah. And I love that explanation. You got to keep it simple for clients. I mean, this is where most of the research is headed. So we're super excited, but nonetheless, you got this today. And, and so if somebody's listening and maybe they're like, you know, okay, I've, I've tried Apical a couple of times and I've had pretty good success with it, you know, but I'm not so sure about Cytopoint. What can veterinarians expect, you know, this treatment course to look like? I mean, because Cytopoint, I think is so unique and has so many wonderful applications, but what can, what's a typical case look like? Probably if I could just bullet point it, I would say single in office injection. I would say starts controlling allergic itch within a day, reduces scratching, chewing, licking. Again, depending on the patient, anywhere from four to eight weeks is typical. (laughs) I'm sold. I am sold. I know. When we look at the label, it can be used in dogs of any age who have any concurrent disease and are on any, any number of concurrent medications. Yeah. I mean, this is a puppy treatment. So when, if you do have those confounding cases of the six or eight month old puppy, and you're trying to look for something that's safe and proven, I mean, this is where Cytopoint fills that bill as well. Oh, I'd love to share that the youngest puppy I gave a Cytopoint injection to was a four month old pit bull puppy. You know how itchy these dogs can be at such a young age. And it was already clear that it wasn't being, you know, it was not a food allergy. It was absolutely already showing that signs of atopic dermatitis that early. Wow. Wow. Well, now also there's one other tool that I kind of want to highlight. Becky, I know this is one of your favorites. I'll I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing about it is, is we, our clients come in and we bombard them with questions, right? Well, like (laughs) how much are they doing this? And well, when did it start? And I know they want to look at me and be like, lady, I've got a life. I can't, I, I can't remember. And even as a, as a veterinary, like when I'm a client and my vet asks me questions, I'm like, oh my God, I should know that. So Cytopoint came up with this really cool tool. And you know, I live my entire life by apps. Right. Um, and so they have this itch tracker, right? And so the itch tracker, and um, you can find it at cytopoint4dogs.com. It helps owners uh, kind of track and notice their the dog's itch. They can track the flare-ups. You can kind of get, well, you know I love data. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. collect that data. <laughs> and then they could just bring it in and hand it to me. And they're like, I don't know, lady, look at look at the chart. And I, I'm like, please show me the chart. So I think it's a really cool tool to help clients be engaged and get involved and to feel like they have some knowledge about when these flare-ups are happening in a way of tracking it. Right. Because too often we say, hey, let us know, call us when the itching returns. Right. And, you know, Dr. Liska, sometimes that's a barrier in and of itself. It's nice when you have an app and you can sort of you ask questions, you go through the progress of it, because I will tell you one of the things in my experience with Cytopoint is you do sort of fine tune it like you find that some dogs do great at five weeks and some are at six and a half weeks. Right. I mean, have you had that same experience, Dr. Liska, where there's like a kind of a set period that once you kind of get, get them going that they need to come back? for this amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And I love to share the story. One of my, I will say that probably my most severe patients ever was a little poodle terrier mix by the name of Max. And he was just one of those patients that even I, as a veterinary dermatologist, felt like I could not make him better. And when Cytopoint first came out, his first injection, it only lasted him two weeks, but his owners felt like that was the best two weeks of his life and, and their life. And uh, he got to the point where he would be coming in about every five weeks for his injections after we just got everything just under control. Right. Well, one of the things, too, I'd like, if you don't mind, 
uh, on, I think it was the first podcast with you, you really had a nice, concise diagnostic workup plan for vets. I really liked it because, you know, it was simple. I like your bullet point approach. So maybe you could just tell us, you know, to veterinarians, once again, how do you approach that full diagnostic workup for these allergic dogs? It can be frustrating, but I think it can also, we can break, break it down and make it very simple. Think about the first step is having those patients come in and really connecting with the owner and letting them know that, yes, we are going to manage their dog's itch and we're going to use therapies that are safe and effective to do so. I think that's step number one. Number two is, you know, somehow communicating and getting owners to understand that routine flea and tick control is so incredibly important. You just have to make sure that any sort of parasite in the dog's skin is managed. Right. Uh, These dogs end up with secondary infections with staph and yeast and managing those as those flare are step three. And then we get down to the final two steps. And this is where we get a lot of pushback is step number four is doing a food trial for a dog who has truly non-seasonal disease. And if it's not, if it's not, if it's, let me say, if it's a seasonal issue, then just recognizing that that dog has what would be step number five, atopic dermatitis and finding the best way to manage that disease. Yeah. And food allergies are exceedingly rare. You know, I, I kind of hate the internet blames food for all the allergies that dogs see. And I'm here to tell you, well, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. (laughs) It ain't so right. I mean, food allergies are the vast minority of these cases. It really is. And if you just look at different studies, different statistics over time, I just kind of generalize it to make it easy and say, you know, if you've got a hundred itchy dogs, probably 80 of them are going to be atopic. And only about 20 of them are going to have a food allergy. So it is the less common allergy. Yeah, so we still do it. I mean, you know, food trials are, are mm-hmm. an essential part. One of yeah. the reasons why I love uh, using Apical for those dogs when I'm doing the food trial, but maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later. But, you know, one of the things, too, that I like about the approach you just outlined is it avoids the old shotgun medicine where we're just sort of trying everything. We really don't know what's working. Is it the food? Is it the ragweed? You know, is it the fleas? I mean, I, I really want us to... to we need to get a precise and specific diagnosis. Right, because then then if you're able to tell an owner, your dog has a food allergy or your dog has seasonal atopic dermatitis, then they're going to be on board, see a compliance increase. They're going to have less anxiety, less stress. And all of those things are what creates the long-term you know, the the success long-term, should I say. Right. And it absolves the pet owner of the guilt they feel because they feel helpless. They're watching their dog. And when we give them an answer and say, you know, look, we've done the food trial, we've done the flea preventive, we've done the whatever, you know, and so now it's atopic dermatitis that actually can improve their quality of life. Because I will tell you one of the most anxiety creating situations in the world is the fear of the unknown. Like, what is it? I don't know. And it's so frustrating for clients. So if we really want to impact the quality of life for for our patients and our pet owners, then we really need to, we we owe it to them to get a specific diagnosis in my opinion. So, all right. So we've, we've got that. So how do you start it? So what's, what's the, you know, if you want to get started, you've got a dog, it's got allergic dermatitis. How do you start the diagnostic workup? So I've already shared that I am an advocate for using Epiqua and Cytopoint. But I'm going to say to start the diagnostic process, I see myself reaching for Epiqua as my first line. I just like it because if it's going to start reducing itch that fast within four hours, then I, I just think that's an important step for my patients. And it's going to reduce inflammation. And we actually have, we actually have a head-to-head study uh, comparing Epiqua to prednisolone. 
And in that study, Apoquil reduced inflammation in the skin as fast and as effectively as prednisolone did. And I think, again, one of the reasons why I love it is because it does have that short half-life. And because I can stop and start that therapy anytime during the diagnostic workup. So for example, if we go back to food allergy, if I'm conducting an eight-week food trial for a patient that I suspect has a food allergy, I'll recommend that the owner stop the Apoquil at four weeks or so just to see, is it the food that's helping or is is it just the Apoquil that's helping? And I can do that again at eight weeks to see, is the food helping or is the Apoquil still managing the paritis? Yeah. And I know we've made this point before, but it bears repeating. So the beauty of using Apoquil during a food elimination trial is just what she described. You can pull off the Apoquil, you stop, Mm -hmm. you discontinue, and then 24 hours, if it flares back up, then you've got your answer, right? So at the end of an eight-week food elimination trial, Dr. Liska, we stop the Apoquil, we wait 24 hours, and if the dog is itching again, what do you say? Your patient, your dog has atopic dermatitis. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy. Derm's easy. (laughs) And, you know, secretly as a technician, I I know this is going to be maybe slightly petty, but they're just easier to count. (laughs) The prednisolone pours out the entire bottle. Like no matter what I do, I get two or 2,000. And I I know that seems petty, but my time is valuable. And when I have to fight tablets, it's just on my list of things of one reason I love it. Now, um, you know, for me, again, I know Cytopoin's been around a while. Um, I've learned a lot about it more. More recently here, but I guess I get, I'm not always 100% clear on when you're reaching for the cytopoint specifically. It's a good question, Becky. And I think I think there's a lot of people who who still I get asked that question all the time when I do presentations. I will say that cytopoint becomes my go-to during the diagnostic process when I'm faced with let's say how do I like maybe unique situations. And there's several that I can think of. As we mentioned, dogs under 12 months of age because Apoquel. Yes is labeled for dogs that are older than 12 months of age. And so we have Cytopoint that we can use for dogs of any age, even when they're less than 12 months. I have owners who were busy with work, busy with travel, busy schedules, you know, busy following their kids around with sports. Those owners like the benefit of just having to have the, or just having the in-office injection. I've had owners who just plain and simple are non-compliant Maybe they just have a hard time remembering to give pills, or maybe their dog is just difficult to give medications to. And so they kind of have an adverse feeling about giving medications. Um, I've used Cytopoint in dogs that have some serious infections. I may have shared this on the podcast, but one of them that I remember most was a 10-month-old Rottweiler puppy. I say puppy because he was about 90 pounds, but he was recovering from pneumonia. And that's a great patient that he was atopic. We were able to give him cytopoint injections while he was healing from his pneumonia. Right. Um, dogs with other, like lots of other severe diseases. And, you know, and, and again, then I've had clients who just say, you know, I, one of my favorite patients, favorite clients ever, um, she just said, you know, I don't want to remember to give him pills at night and I don't want to get up in the morning and give him pills. I just want him to have an injection. And you know what I like about that is you did lean into the, pet owner quality of life. A lot of the things you just brought up really do create stress and anxiety. They fear giving the medication. How does this make my dog feel? Is it good? You know, is it, do they, will they not like me because I'm forcing them to take their medicine? Mm -hmm. So I love that we do have options inside a point, you know, again, four to eight weeks, you just don't have to think about it. So I guess one thing for me, again, as a technician, you know, it's about client education for me. 
And when we we talk about site of point, we get that fast and sustained release with that single in-office injection. And that's going to last this patient, like we talked about, depending on the patient itself, 48 weeks. But it can be difficult sometimes, or I don't know exactly how to educate my clients at that point around, you know, if it's a flea allergies or food allergy, how do I educate them? Because I don't want them to necessarily, I want them to understand that there, you know, that there is other factors involved and right. that we have to monitor this still. It's, it's not a, it's a, it's not a one and done, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. No. And that's another great, great question, Becky. I think it's important for our listeners to remember that Cytopoint will be effective for relief for dogs with a flea allergy or a food allergy. And it does, like we've said several times, have that variable duration of effect. So it may just be a little harder to assess the pet's response to an elimination diet trial or flea control. And again, going back to the food allergy as an example, if I start a patient on a food trial and I give a side point at the same time, which one of those is helping at four weeks? And if it lasts eight weeks in this particular patient, which one is helping at eight weeks? So I think just having your your clients recognize, Becky, that we might have to do the food trial for a little longer than eight weeks, just making sure that we know that duration of efficacy, that period of that duration of efficacy uh, has been completed for that patient. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I want to slightly shift back to the team emphasis because, you know, my entire career has been built on, you know, training and leveraging my staff so that we provide the best in client care and patient care. And, and, and so that involves, of course, diagnosing and treating allergic itching. Um, I think in my way of thinking, it's, there's, everybody has a little role, you know, so that means the receptionists are going to be doing one thing, the veterinary technicians, another, the associates, I mean, the assistants, I mean, you name it, everybody is involved in making sure that we succeed with our patients. So do you have any other tips specifically for the entire team on how we can best work together to manage allergic itching in dogs? Oh, I so agree, Dr. Ward. And if we go back to the start where we said allergic itch is the number one reason why owners are calling veterinary practices and visiting veterinarians, then what better space in our practice than dermatology to have a team approach? Because it's just going to improve the success in the practice and for the owner and for the patient. And I think it's going to, I think it helps making sure that appointments are efficient and that everybody on the team you know, knows their role. And, and, and maybe that's from the first time the owner calls the practice and the receptionist picks up the phone um, and all the way through when that, when that owner goes home and checks out at the, at the checkout desk. Yep. And I love that. And, and that structure, again, if you're listening, you, you know, my philosophy and, and ethos on this, but you know, this is what owners and practice managers establish. They have a structure. They mm-hmm. set up strategies for how do we handle the phone call? What do we say? What do we answer? We also have to have financial goals. I mean, you know, while we're not going to get into that too heavily today, I mean, these products must pay for themselves. Uh, and, you know, certainly if you just take a look at, at your practice finances, you're going to be able to do this affordably for clients, in my opinion. But, you know, let's get back to that first point of contact in almost all situations. That's the receptionist. Absolutely. And that what I see is the receptionist has one of the most important roles, and that's creating the connection with the pet owner when they call. And I think one of the best ways to do that is just reassuring that that owner that they're not alone, that, again, seven and a half million itchy dogs were seen by veterinarians last year. That's a lot. And creating that connection uh, making sure that the owners know that they've done the right thing by calling and getting a, an exam scheduled with the doctor. Yeah, you know, it's an important point. We always have to give that shout out to our customer service representatives up front. And 
you know, they are the first point of contact with our clients every time. And I think we underestimate how important it is to help them understand their role in in educating clients and asking the right questions and and helping them to know that they do need to come in. It is very important because we do have concerns around these and, and again, the quality of life concerns. So it's really important to remember to keep your CSRs trained and, and make sure they have the information to get your clients into you. Yeah. And Becky, this is where I lean on you, the veterinary technicians, because, you know, you're going to go over the medical history form, the intake right. form. You know, you're going to start to talk about what is actually happening, because most most veterinary technicians that I've ever employed and worked with, and certainly you're a great example of this, you're going to already have a good idea that this is probably atopic dermatitis just from talking to somebody for a couple of minutes. And so then I want you to drive down deeper into that questionnaire and let's actually get clarity on what is going on, how severe is the flare up, what is the diet, you know, what about uh, flea and tick preventives and so forth. Uh, and then what I really want you to do, Becky, as a veterinary technician is start to focus on the quality of life, you know, is this itching getting in the way of the dog's normal activities? You know, does it affect your relationship with your dog? Right. Oh my, what would we do without our trusted, compassionate, <laughs> hardworking, dedicated technicians? Job. I would find another job. I couldn't do it without them. Oh my goodness. I, I just, I just think about the technicians I've worked with over the years and just, you know, I just can't even imagine without them. But you know, one of the things I think is very exciting is to share with our technicians who are listening is the National Association of Veterinary Technicians of America. That's NAVTA. A lot of people know who Na what NAVTA oh, is. Yeah. They offer a free course on the importance of the team approach to dermatology care. And if there are technicians out there who are interested, they can go to CE dot navta n-a-v-t-a dot net and take this course the ce course and what i'm picturing is like at your practice dr ward i can i can just picture all the technicians at your practice completing the course and then proudly displaying the completion certificate that they can print off maybe on a wall in the yeah, waiting room yeah. of your hospital and i think that would make such a bold statement about the level of commitment your hospital and any hospital has to dermatology and allergy. Well, you know, Dr. Liska, a lot of times vets are coming up to me and they're saying, you know, look, we're, we're bored with the flea talk. We're bored with the skin talk. We're bored with the food talk or whatever. These are the ways to reignite that enthusiasm. So have your technicians go to c.navda.net and look at these free courses. Of course, we're talking today about the dermatology uh, uh, care uh, coursework that they have up there, but this is that other way to offer something. And what I like too, uh, Dana, is that you said, hey, they get a certificate. You know, Napoleon said, I'll win as many wars as you want as long as you keep giving me medals. Now, I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what he said. He spoke French, of course. But the reality <laughs> is people want to be recognized. And so, Becky, am I off base here in thinking that sometimes those certificates and diplomas and completions, you know, they mean a lot to, to veterinary technicians? I think they mean a lot. Definitely. I, I want to say um, maybe support staff members in general, because we know that yeah, there are a yeah, lot of non-credentialed yeah. support staff members who maybe haven't had the coursework knowledge on the discussions. I know there are a lot of new veterinary assistants who come into the field who want to know more, and there isn't always time to learn on the job in the moment. So they'll see this atopic dermatitis dog and think, well, what is that? What could I have done? Or, oh, wow, I, I really watched that technician or enjoyed watching my technician, you know, talk with the pet owner about the history and get the details of the itch. And they, they want to, you know, learn that role and how to right. do that as well. And, you know, what we know is it's essential 
for the technician or the support staff member to have the education to get that amazing, really, really foundational background, right? We've got right. to know the details of the itch. We got to know when it started, where it started. Right. Um, we're going to help trace down those patterns, how severe the itching actually is. Right. Um, you know, and then and then being able to comfortably explain the diagnostic process and to get the sample collection process. It's mm. it's the essential role that we play and it's part of that utilization that keeps us going. You know, and then we get to guide that discussion between the vet and the owner to basically make sure that we have everyone on the same page and that the the client has the information they need to go home and be ready to come back with, you know, the next set of problems when that appointment comes on. And I just think it's incredibly important for us. And 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 I know I said this in a previous podcast, but you know, we we keep doing these podcasts because we keep hearing thank you because we need right. this information. This was really helpful information. And clients, I say it all the time. What does cartoon dog do? Right. They show a cartoon dog on TV scratching. Our yeah. clients don't always know scratching is not normal. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really good, and it needs it needs treatment. I mean, it needs our attention and help. You know, we we do have to sort of redefine the normal because look. I'm not saying that occasional itching is is you know not normal. Of course it is. But you and I know, Becky, that there are a whole lot of dogs out there that they have to get to the point of destroying themselves before yeah. the owner takes action. Because they're like, oh, that's not normal, right? Okay, so so Dr. Liska, now it's back on us, you know, the veterinarians. And our job is to to take the translation from my veterinary technicians because they make sense of all the stuff that I would take hours to figure out and decipher for my clients sometimes, but they give me that little bullet point And now I go into a deeper discussion. We focus on the importance of doing a diagnostic workup because we, if we just treat it with Cytopoint or Apical, then we're not going to ever be any closer to solving the problem. And that's ultimately what, what you're going to want from us is to solve the problem. So it doesn't keep coming back or we know how to mitigate it if it does. So Becky, now I'm passing it back off to you. So I've done my part. We've, we've, even done the treatment, let's just say in this little case role play. Uh, but now I really want to pass it off to my veterinary technicians and my CSRs to follow up. So walk us through an appointment checkout. Like what do you, what do you see the role you play in, you know, follow-up care with allergic dermatitis? Like, I think there's a couple things and, and obviously the most important thing we've got to do is teach the pet owners how to keep track of any changes when the itching comes back. If, if we, see these types of behaviors getting in front of them. We want to make sure we do that. You had to, um, you had to mention the app again, didn't you? The so itch track. <laughs> I want to because it it's punny and I feel like it's in, in honor of, of Dr. Cindy, who used to be the punniest of us all. So I, again, love these tools and, and they have this one called site appointment. And I laugh every time I say it, but it's a site appointment and it's a treatment reminder, an appointment reminder, yep. the follow-up reminder. So it's a way for owners to get reminders that goes straight through, you know, um, this site appointment. <laughs> process. So right. I, I personally think it's really funny um, site appointment. And and again, I think, too, it just kind of backs up these, you know, um, our clients want to have fun. We want to have fun when we can kind of take a situation that is kind of serious and probably maybe going to be lifelong managing and, and clients are maybe a little confused and frustrated and have questions. And it's just a lot to kind of 
have some fun things to chuckle about and say, okay, we're going to book your next site appointment and <laughs> make sure that they, they get that. And they have those reminders because it does make it personal. And it says, this is something I'm, I'm dealing with my dog and, and we're doing these treatments. And, and this is, this is a care point. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. look, I'm a huge fan of the itch tracker and the site appointment. I mean, I think those are brilliant. And like Becky, I have a appreciation of, of the pun there, but also I'm old school. And so I think it's really important when you have severe allergic dermatitis cases that you do make that phone call. Like, I don't think you can always satisfy these types of clients or reassure them, I guess I'm trying to say, just by sending them some something through an app. Love your stuff. Don't get me wrong, Dr. Ruska, yeah. but I'm saying I really want that personal touch. I don't want to lose that continuum of care. So I do rely on my veterinary technicians and even my receptionist to make these phone calls. I want to make sure that a few days later, things are getting better. If they're not, I want to know about it as a doctor so that I can change treatment course right away. And more importantly, those follow-up phone calls reemphasize that we do need to see them again. Right, Dr. Liska? Because I think too often with these amazing medications like Apical and Cytopoint, people are like, oh, I gave that and it's all better, but we still need to see them in four to eight weeks. Oh yeah. Let's get them back in and let's just make sure infections manage. Let's have a conversation about what happened with the itch over the last month using the itch tracker that Becky talked about. All of those things are so important. And, you know, like with the follow-up phone call too, just again, another point to create that bond, to have that bond centered relationship with your client and, and making them feel bonded to your practice. Well, you know, I, I, along those lines too, I know you guys have a lot of other tools. Is there is there other tools, resources, places you want to send our listeners for more information on all of this? Absolutely, yes. They can find more information on this team approach to dermatology that we've been talking about. And they can find that at scienceofstrongerbonds.com. Wow. I have loved the heck out of this podcast. Dr. Liska, you are amazing. I do want to remind our listeners that this podcast is sponsored by Zoetis, makers of treatments including Apoquil and Cytopoint. Do not use Apoquil in dogs less than 12 months of age or in those with serious infections. Apoquil may increase the chances of developing serious infections and may cause existing parasitic skin infections or pre-existing cancers to get worse. Apoquil has not been tested in dogs receiving some medications, including some commonly used to treat skin conditions such as corticosteroids and cyclosporin. Do not use in breeding, pregnant, or lactating dogs. Most common side effects are vomiting and diarrhea. Apoquil has been used safely with many common medications, including parasiticides, antibiotics, and vaccines. And if you'd like more information, please see the full prescribing information at apoquil.com. And Cytopoint has been shown to be effective for the treatment of dogs against allergic dermatitis and atopic dermatitis. Zoetis is dedicated to changing the way we approach canine puritis to protect the bonds that matter most. Visit scienceofstrongerbonds.com for more. And woo, we got through it. Dr. Liska, thank you for making the world better for itching dogs everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Love working with you guys. Well, until next time, we hope that your allergy season will be brief and very minor, if at all. So (laughs) we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye. Excellent. 